I really, really enjoyed this chat with Liam. And the reason why I liked it so much is because Liam was actually a client of ours. And oh my God, he's come a really, really long way in a very short space of time. So we started off with, with one, as one of our clients. He came over to, to Bali with us when we ran the Mind Muscle Camps, when we were allowed out of Australia. And now he's one of our coaches and mentors. He's a really, really awesome guy who's helped hundreds and hundreds of dudes become more confident, set better boundaries and just be better men. He's got a really, really cool story and I think this will be quite helpful for anybody who finds that they just don't get the respect that they want. They just don't have the confidence they want. They aren't able to set boundaries and tell people to fuck off when they need to be told to fuck off. And anyone who's like that and wants to better that, wants to build on that, wants to develop that, I think that you'll get a lot out of this episode. I really, really enjoyed filming this with Liam. I hope you enjoy it too. And we're live, dude. Thanks for coming on. Ah, my pleasure, mate. My pleasure. So where should we start, man? I want to I I start, if we can, right back at the beginning because you've had a, a, just one or two health issues go on <laughs> during your time. You've had a little bit of adversity to overcome. Yeah. Can you start us like right at the beginning? The, 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 yeah. Start us at the start. Like the first health issue I noticed? First health issue you had. Like from where? Let's start from high school, man. Yeah. It, go, it goes before then. So, yeah, we'll go. Um, so pretty much it, it leads into high school, I guess. But I noticed I grew up in a very small country town of Aries Inlet, which is like up the road, up the coast in Melbourne. But, yeah, there was, you know, really small population town, things like that. Grew out in the bush and away from technology, which I'm actually very grateful for these days. So had a had a good childhood there. Was always a very athletic kid. And then I was about 11 years old and I just had this stomach ache. And parents couldn't figure out what it was. Doctors couldn't figure out what it was. And it was like a stomachache for literally six months straight, just waking up every day with this constant pain. Uh, my diet for like six months was literally like one piece of toast with Vegemite. And that's all I could stomach. And so then- Was I there got, anything like, that brought it on? Like, did you, were you stressed? Did you get sick? Did you get food poisoning? Anything? Nah, man, I was a happy 11-year-old kid. That's the thing in primary school, you know, fucking had no worries. But just, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a holiday. I don't know what happened, but suddenly I just woke up one morning with a stomachache and I just realized after about three days, you notice you're like, this should have gone by now. Then, you know, two weeks go by and you're like, all right, now something's going wrong. And then you realize you're not hungry, you can't eat and you're tired all the time and there's something going on. So we, we eventually found out through like a bunch of scans and tests and stuff. First of all, my appendix was affl- inflamed. So they're like, fuck, that's where it is. It's going to burst, get it out of him. Had to go to pretty much emergency surgery. I've got no belly button to this date because for some reason they went through my belly button and removed it. So that was the first major surgery I went through as a kid. So lo and behold, once I got out of hospital, didn't have a stomachache for two weeks. Thought this was the best thing in the world. Everyone was happy. I could eat again, uh, just back to love and life. And then what happened was I woke up one morning. I was like, oh, fuck, that same feeling is back. And I was like, uh, it might go away, it might not. And then, yeah, it just stayed there. Then eventually we had a mate who was like a family doctor, ended up doing a shit test. Turns out I had a stomach bug called Helicobacter. Shit, shit test? Yeah, that's, that's still a still test. Yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah. Sorry for everyone like listening. Shit test is pretty, a pretty, terrible test. No, 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 it's pretty, yeah, pretty graphic. Stool test uh, for us science yeah. pros. Put in a cup. How yeah. weird is doing a stool test, by the way? Uh, mate, it's, I, if I car. remember, it was like, no, nah, it was like, oh, we don't need to go into the details, but <laughs> pretty much it was just like you had to go halfway or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll leave that one out. <laughs> but we found out that, yeah, I had Helicobacter and then I went on a hardcore dose of antibiotics to get rid of it for about two weeks. And pretty much I didn't realize the side effects at the time. Funny story, it's how I tied into finding out about you and digestive health and everything like that. But it pretty much destroyed my gut, as we all know. And it destroyed it to the point where I didn't even know it was destroyed, but I was putting on weight rapidly. And, you know, I'm this active kid in primary school playing soccer every lunchtime. Mm, Diet hadn't changed or nothing like that. All of a sudden, I just remember getting a few comments from people, brother, stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, I'm not putting on weight or anything. I feel fine. And at that time, it just really noticed up until like the end of grade six, by the time I got to like high school in my year seven, I was just like, what the fuck? I was just like, what just happened? It was like one day you're fit, the next day you wake up and you're not. And it's quite alarming, especially going into high school. And then diet was obviously shocking. I had no nutritional knowledge or anything like that because my mentality was I've lived on literally like a wheat bix and a Vegemite on toast for ages. And it's like, now I can eat whatever I want. So I did that. I, I felt like I missed out on so much. And then, yeah, kept putting on more weight, more weight, had a bunch of things like restless leg syndrome, stuff like that, which I know now is just because I wasn't even drinking water or I was probably so deficient in magnesium or just something like that. And I just had these restless legs. I couldn't sleep. I was just fidgeting during class. And I'm not someone who's made to sit still. I'm a very energetic person and I'm not someone that you just you sit down, shut the fuck up and do work for six hours. I'm someone that's... Uh, very energetic. So I found it a massive struggle during school, but felt because um, I was putting on weight so rapidly and all that, it was obviously affecting my confidence. I was going through puberty at the time. I developed what's known as gynecomastia and you don't know what the fuck is going on as a kid. Well, yeah, 13, something like that. And just all of a sudden you develop gynecomastia and then, yeah, your hormones pretty much. And yeah, it's a very... It's a very touchy subject for a lot of people, but it's also very, very common. And a lot of people what don't know that. What effect on you? Oh, huge, man. Huge. Yeah. Could not um, literally like, you know, you shoved into the boys' locker room. Everyone's got to change for PE. And I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to take my shirt off in front of like 100 kids. Like I'm going to get made fun of and everything. I remember there was a poor bastard I went to school with, like all boys' school. Like, fuck, what a stitch up. And he had it bad. Like he mm. had big time gynecomastia and he was exactly the same like hated getting his shirt off hated it was like oh that's rough man really rough when you just got these things that stick out from your nipples yeah i remember actually being like petrified at a swimming carnival at school i'm just i'm not going in the water not because i wasn't a good swimmer i loved swimming i just didn't want to take my shirt off in front of anyone did did yours get see that's the thing like from all the like the people I've seen and like specialists or whatever, it's like apparently everyone's like, nah, you, you didn't even have it. What the fuck? But it's like if you've got it, you fucking got it and you know you've got it and it really was it, affects your self-confidence. So was it, was it more of a you thing or was it, did other people actually notice? Oh, other people noticed. Yeah, other people noticed. But gotcha. yeah, looks like it's just a side effect from being unhealthy and overweight, but whether it was actually a hormonal thing going on. So that was interesting. And it's funny, it's funny talking about this now because you just wish 10 years ago you knew all about it and you just wish you just knew like what was happening with your digestive health, how important your health is, even during like your early, early years when you think you're invincible. And I say early years, I'm only 25 now, fuck. But <laughs> yeah, I'm talking like early, early years. Um, I think going through all of that and then 
the side effects of what comes with that, you know, the mood swings, you get bullied, you lash out, all that stuff, you're depressed all the time and you're just going through all that sort of, I would say pain, but just I'd say like the loneliness and not having that social life in high school and being sort of like an outcast. And literally, I just remember I would actually enjoy class in between, which I hated school because I didn't have anything to do at lunchtime. I didn't have anyone to hang out with or anything. And yeah, it was horrible. So yeah, pretty shit. But learning that, you become a lot stronger and you mature a lot faster. So in a way, I am grateful that it all happened. What do you mean you matured a lot faster? You pretty much, you learned what it's like to be the bottom of the barrel and you learned that nothing's really ever given to you. You got to work for it. You got to work on yourself. It's not an easy ride right from the get-go. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So then let's say you've, you've, you're going through school, so you've been overweight and you've got gyno and then you've <laughs> had all this shit that you've had to cop throughout all that time. Like, what did you do next? It got to a point where I was about 17, 16 years old around that time. I, I believe it was 16, like late 16. And I was just, I was so sick of it. I was just like, I can't live my life like this. I just started doing whatever I could. I started going for runs hated them by the way felt like i was dying the whole time my dad god bless him got me a gym membership there was a local little gym that opened up down the road with a guy called dan very good trainer i'm still mates with him to this day i owe him so much for helping me out and yeah really just got me into a small little routine and i ended up seeing results just because of how obsessive i got with it i just i sort of just switched and made that change and I was getting up at like five in the morning before high school, stuff like that, just to run on the beach at these boot camp sessions. And I didn't care if I felt tired and shit all day. I just, I, I had to make sure it was my first priority. It was like such the biggest factor. But changing up the diet and drinking more water was the biggest thing. Right. And then what effect did that have on you? Well, for one, started dropping weight. <laughs> People started noticing. I started getting compliments. I started feeling good. I started being more energetic. I started sleeping really well. So many things came and I noticed it happened so, it didn't happen quick, but it happened so quick that I noticed the difference between how you're treated when you're not taking care of yourself and how you're treated when you are taking care of yourself. And it is a huge difference. How is it different? Well, people take you a lot more seriously, of course. You have more confidence. Women are more attracted to you. There's multiple, multiple. Trying to think about more off the top of my head. Such a good point, man. Because, like <laughs> when you, I, I look at um, at the difference even in me and, and a lot of my mates as well. It's like people like to say, "Oh, it, it's what's on the inside that counts." Right, like when you're looking to that today and looking to meet chicks, what a fucking load of shit! Like Fuck if we man. actually go into real life and we we go away from fantasy world and we go into real life, how you look is a really really big factor. You know, I've been pimply and skinny with acne, mm. and then I've been jacked without acne, and I, I can tell you which one I got more girls with and which one I met with. So weird, right? There's no why. Why should a woman be attracted to you? Why should the best female be attracted to you if you're not the best male? Like, why should someone accept you for anything else other than your best? I don't get where that that exactly. fairy tale idea of the inside comes from. And I've had that conversation with so many people because it's like I consider myself to have high standards, and I'm fucking proud of that. And it's just like I don't want to settle for less because I know my own worth and I know how far I've come. It's like, why would I ever settle for less? No why chance. do you think, like, why do you think a lot of blokes settle? 
Honestly, because, well, yeah, it's security. It's comfortable. It, yeah, it's comfortable. That's probably the one thing. It's comfortable. Someone always there for you. People don't like, and we've learned in this pandemic, people don't like dealing with their own shit and being on their own. They do not like being isolated because a lot of shit's brought up. And how you've seen, you've seen my transformation after moving out by myself for the past six months, been the best choice I've ever made. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more on that? <laughs> Where do you want to go with that one? Let's go into that because I want to. I really want to touch on what you're talking about with the boundaries, with getting to know yourself, with understanding your shit, owning your mm-hmm. stuff, and becoming really, really confident within you. Yeah. Well, if you don't love yourself, how can anyone else love you? That's how I look at it. And it's the harsh truth that a lot of people need to ask themselves because I didn't love myself and no one well, felt like, of course, my family loved me, but no one, friends, love, uh, women, all that stuff, didn't feel like anyone loved me. Felt like no one cared. So why didn't you love yourself? Because I was not taking care of myself. I was overweight. I was uncomfortable with my body. I was not enjoying life with school, things like that. And really, overall, there was just a bit of laziness there as well. Definitely. Why were you accepting that as a standard? I mean, I, let me preface that. Just a <laughs> Whenever we act a certain way, we say, this is the standard that I'm happy to be with. So if you're mm. happy to be overweight, then that's okay, cool. My standard is I'm okay with being X amount overweight. Might be 20 kilos, 30 kilos, 50 kilos, 100 kilos, 200 kilos, or Mm. I just totally don't give a fuck. I'm happy with drinking. I'm happy with not eating well. I'm happy with, you know, not really progressing terribly far in my career or my standard is I need to be ultra, ultra successful in, in, in those sorts of areas. So with you, like, why did you set your standard at, okay, look, I I was happy with with being at X weight and and looking a certain way and eating a certain way. And then what caused you to change? I wasn't happy at X weight though. (laughs) What caused me to change was because of all the, I'd say rejection would probably be the biggest one, not just from women, but just like, it felt like from the whole world in a way school teachers don't take you seriously other people don't take you seriously you speak up about things oh he's just a baby he's just crying just seemed like no one cares at the time it's like ah he's doing it to himself how did you pair that with your way that the school teachers wouldn't take you seriously like how did you say okay that's directly in line with how how much i weigh at the moment can you rephrase that Okay, so you said that school teachers don't take mm-hmm. you seriously. They're like, you know, when you're overweight, when you weren't treating yourself well, you felt like school teachers didn't take you seriously. People didn't take you seriously. Like, oh, Liam's just crying again. Yeah. You said that was in line with like with your weight, with the way that you look. That's what I understood anyway. It's yeah. Like, how did you pair the two together? Like, because I actually see a lot, which is quite similar. Mm. Um, but how? What was your? How did you realize that the way that you looked affected the way that people treated you? Well, that's the thing. I only realized that once I changed. Gotcha. Yeah. That's why I was confused about that question because I didn't realize it at the time. But I only realized that once I changed and once I realized how much better life got. Gotcha. Cool. So what are the standards you set for yourself now? Never ending progression. As I heard in the last podcast with Marcus, he said, the day you stop moving is the day you die. That's something I resonate with. Like us as humans, we all need something to look forward to in life. And then once you hit whatever that is, like be a certain date or it's a certain goal. You're happy for a bit, but that dopamine spike dies eventually in about a week or two. And then you're on to the next one straight away. Totally. And it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Yeah. I mean, think about how many times you've changed your goals within your own body. Yeah. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah. All the time. Changes every every month, something like that. Every week. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Constantly getting updated over and over and over again. Yeah. Mm. Why is that important to you? Sky's the limit, I guess. And it's really, it's exciting seeing 
it, it drives you even more in life and life is just constant progression. It should never be a setback. Every day you're still progressing because you get another day and another shot at it. And a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people think, oh, I'm isolated. We're locked up. Fuck it. Let's give up. Uh, life's on hold for like three weeks or whatever. It's like life's not on hold for no one. It's still going. There's still something you can do with your time. There's still something you can learn, still something you can upskill. And it always frustrated me that people never saw those opportunities way before COVID. Why do you think that we're not taught this? Like, why, why, why do you think that we're missing that doesn't, that means that we don't actually take these opportunities? It's a good question. I think a lot of people have it easy in a way. A lot of we people, have it so easy yeah, here in Australia. Yeah. A lot of people, we have it very easy. And that's what I mean. I went through quite a struggle in my upbringing. So that's why I'm very grateful I actually went through that struggle because it matured me really, really quick. It made me want to excel at everything I was doing straight away out of school. Yeah, man, you, you, I totally agree with you what you're saying about how easy we have it here in Australia because we have it so fucking good here. So good. It actually breeds complacency. I mean, you yeah. look at like our, our average wage is something like, like 50 grand or 60 grand a year. Like you compare that to like anywhere overseas, it's so much more higher than that. That's yeah. below that. But like even for, for low level jobs, there's no need for anyone to strive. There's no danger. We've always got food. We're always clothed. We're always housed. I mean, I look at it, look these days, this is a super weird thing when you think about it. A lot of people are complaining about being poor, right? You still got a house, you got water, you got electricity, you got food, you got a fucking iPhone, like mm. you've got a car, you got literally everything, and you're crying poor. I'm like, Jesus, go back a hundred years yeah. and see how much different the standard of living is here. And yet we're still complaining about we don't have enough or we don't get given enough, or I can't afford this or I can't afford that. It's like there's nothing more infuriating than hearing somebody whinge and complain about their circumstances and not fucking do anything about it. I yeah. grew up with a couple of people and they were um, the guys who didn't have a whole heap, right? They had families which had literally fuck all, like housing commission, brought up on the dole and whatnot. And it's interesting because those guys never complain. Right, those guys who have absolutely nothing, the guys who have had like who who had really shit times, guys who had the shit beaten out of them because they didn't grow up in the nicest areas with the nicest families, and they got mm. the shit beaten out of them religiously. They don't complain and they get up and do shit. But then there's this other bunch of people which seems like there's they're always a victim. Life's always so fucking tough when we live in fucking Australia. It's like if you want to get a five hundred thousand dollar loan, you can do it. Like it's not hard to get one for a house. <laughs> You get a 500 grand loan. How fucking ridiculous is that? The yeah. opportunity that we have here. If anyone so wants what, something, they can actually have it. You just got to grab a credit card or call up your bank. Like, yeah, you, you can have it. it. Yeah, you like get that. it just like that. It's just at, at the snap of your fingers, man. At the snap yeah. of your fingers. Hmm. So, okay, let's go through and let's look into you and your, your coaching and with what you're doing and your development around there. Like one of the things that like we've already talked about, like off the podcast was your growth, like spiritually as a man and the massive amount of change that you've had. What really sparked your change to grow as a man in terms of like a spiritual sense of, of, of in terms of who you are? Yeah. So there's, there's two things behind that one. The first one's a heartbreak. Didn't think we'd end up talking about this one on the podcast, but oh well. Um, I'll always be honest. Yeah, the first one was a heartbreak that I enjoyed earlier this year. Came smack bang out of nowhere. So that really forced me to grow as an individual. And I was just like, all right, well, I always considered myself an independent person. So I knew I was going to go out on my own, you know, move into my own place and be totally secure in that and grow as an individual that way. 
So I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm just going to put all my eggs in one basket and focus on that. How did the heartbreak change you? It's an interesting one. Every man's going to go through it eventually. I mean, yeah, it's not my first one either, but this one just felt like it was a, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit more uh, a shot in the dark, I guess, just because it came left wing out of nowhere. So yeah, it really, and this is where the spiritual side comes in as we've talked about spiritual growth. Now we know that spiritual is not for everyone and gets such a rap, you know, it gets such a stereotype of the blue hippie smoking weed all day. Not at all. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here for those of you who are listening. So the spiritual growth and what I found is really understanding your own internal traumas that you went through, why you have certain patterns and also helping with my own coaching, helping other men develop and look into these patterns and internal traumas. So like one dude, I won't name his name, he's doing really well. He ended up breaking it off with his missus last week just because he completely identified and he went back and forth, back and forth with her. He's not happy and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't break it off. And I had the same chat with him three times. I'm like, dude, you've answered your own question. We mapped out his, we did his uh, Super Saiyan spreadsheet. We mapped it out. We mapped out what he wants in life. And that's something that also really helped me out was when we actually sat down as a group and then went off as individuals and actually map out what you want in life. And everyone that I've done that with, it's quite confronting because no one ever sits, sits you down and does that. You don't even do it with yourself. You just go by day by day. And if you're not striving towards something, you don't know the direction and you're going, you're fucked a little bit in a way. Not to that sense, but uh, yeah, it's a lot clearer once you have a map in front of you. So in my own development, once I actually went through that heartbreak, understood the pain, understood the reasonings behind it, and hey, there are still some reasonings that are unclear, but hey, that's cool. You don't attach yourself to any certain outcome anymore, and then you focus on what you can control, and then you just strive towards what you actually want in life. The things that are most important. It seems like for you, it's like every time you've had something shit happen, something more awesome spawned out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like for anyone who's ever going through that or if they're going through it now, it's so hard to see it at this time. It is so hard, but six months time, however long you feel incredible, something good will come out of it. Dude, mine, mine was when I was like bodybuilding at a super high level. Like, like it was sweet. I was like 21. I was competing overseas and I was beating a whole bunch of guys and doing really, really fucking well. And if I kept going that way, I would have ended up probably like world champ or something like that, really, really high level. Like it would have been really, really fun. And I would have done it at a very, very early age, but I didn't. I got sick. And when I got crook and went through all my shit that I went through, it's fucking interesting because I now look back on that bodybuilding lifestyle, on that path that I was going down. I'm like, thank fuck I didn't keep going down there <laughs> because I can only imagine where I would have ended up if I didn't have all the shit that I went through. Mm. If I didn't have all the pain, all the suck, all the IBS, all the bipolar, all the anxiety, all the depression, like if I didn't have that, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. I was sure shit wouldn't have interviewed anybody else. Yeah. I'd just be like another meathead just saying calorie deficit, train legs, all that fucking bullshit, like pushing over the same stuff over and over again, living my life largely without meaning or yeah. any purpose. It's quite incredible how much the suckiest things in life actually give way to the most beautiful and the most awesome if we let ourselves see it. Mm. Reflection's huge. Mm. And just understanding like where you are now, where you want to be, but then if you're not where you want to be, understanding how far you've come 
and you can just swap your state of gratitude, happiness, anything like that in an instant. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like I'm sitting here in lockdown six, but I'm not complaining. I'm going to be in it for ages. <laughs> yeah, they love it's it fun. down there yeah. in the People's Republic of Victoria. Yeah, it's great. Here, here in Melbourne. But hey, I'm only progressing every single day. There are yeah. setbacks, but they're out of my control. And I'm focusing on what I can control and I'm going to be better off for it. Hmm. Big time. So how do you do that? Here's, here's the thing. Like, There's a, a lot of dudes that I know of at the moment and this lockdown's smacking them for six, right? Yeah. Because let's be honest, right? You've got all the stuff in the media is negative rubbish, all the stuff that comes out of a politician's mouth. And I know this isn't a new one, but it's largely lies and hate <laughs> and all that sort of stuff, right? Sure, they've been doing that for a while, but it's more prominent now. You're locked down. Everybody is going on about, you know, these things that you've got to go put on your arm. And if you get one put in and with this with these antibodies and whatnot, you're a good person. I can't say the word because otherwise it's probably end up getting pulled Mate, I, and sent. I just came from my appointment an hour ago. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got it's it. Only, it's the only way I'm getting back into the gym or coming up to Queensland. So yeah, it's crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah. so you look at like all the opinions that that we have on this, and it's it's so negative. How do you keep you like? What are you doing right now? Because you're very level, like very mm-hmm. level headed, and and yeah. even joyous, like you'd say, like you still have ha- happiness. You haven't had the shit beaten out of you. How are you doing that? What are you doing at the moment? Yeah, I guess it comes back from like the first first time the pandemic started. Because I noticed the difference in everyone like straight away. I noticed the people that straight away went to social media to complain. And then I noticed straight away the quiet achievers and the people that were still doing stuff. It was very interesting to me. I knew that after I was working in Docklands, I was going to do mentoring with you and running my own business in the city. I knew after that literally shut down overnight. I'm like, all right, sweet. First two weeks is great. Finally got some time to like watch a movie I've wanted to watch for ages because I was always so busy. Now it's just like two weeks in, it's just like, okay, this ain't getting out anytime soon. What do I want to do with my life? And started working, you know, really just thinking about a lot of things, applying for jobs everywhere. I'm like, oh, it's only going to be part-time, whatever. I just need to work, need to do something. Didn't let myself go or anything like that. Was just, mate, adapted, body weight, went to the park, did chin-ups, was running, all that stuff. Saw it more as an opportunity rather than a setback. And I think that's a really big thing for a lot of people. It's like, yes, it sucks. But there is a silver lining out of it. And I'm still going through that silver lining to this day in the sixth lockdown. So with that, I noticed after that, I saw your ad on Facebook, apply for a coach. I'm just like, you know what? Why not? I always had a plan to go online by the end of last year with my own business. And it was something I was developing the systems and working towards. But I'm like, look, James is a cool guy. I've obviously met you in person before in in Bali. So I was just like, I think, and I'd saw like previous growth of other coaches like Justin and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, seems like a cool team to be a part of. Sure. Let's go. Applied pretty much. Yeah. Uh, went uh, into the lead gen side of things, which was, uh, you know, a lot of fun running your Facebook. And it's actually really interesting just seeing what, uh, what goes on in like the insides of the business and lead gen and, you know, the conversations that you get. Uh, and the messages that you get personally, you'll know what I'm talking about <laughs> that Josh has currently go through. But yeah, it was just, I noticed it was just constant growth and it was really just honing in on spending all the time I had putting it to good use because I was aware that, hey, I wasn't able to go to the gym or see my mates on the weekend or whatever, but 
I was still living at home. I had nothing to really complain about. I knew I just wanted to work and find my purpose and really just keep working towards something. And I'm still doing that to this day and constantly upskilling. And that's what I still, as I've mentioned before, believe that's what life is. There's always going to be challenges along the way, but you got to constantly, constantly upskill and you come out of it stronger. Totally. Continually just keep moving forwards and forwards. Continually. Yeah. So what I've seen, unfortunately, in a lot of people is the people that have lost everything and they sort of, they don't give up in a way, but they, they sort of give up on themselves, you know? They'll straight away fall out of their routine. So, oh, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I'll stay up an extra couple of hours watching Netflix. Then you realize once you stay up at that extra couple of hours, hey, I'm starting to get a bit hungry at midnight. Then you start eating. Then your sleeping pattern goes out of whack. Then you don't train the next day because the gym's got closed. Then, you know, you end up just going for a walk. That's it. And that just becomes a spiral effect. By the time you've woken up, it's three months later. Okay, gyms have opened up again. I need to get back into it. I'll hire a trainer, go into the gym. Two weeks later, bam, lockdown again. Same cycle happens. We open back up. Okay, it's summer now. Go back to the gym. Yep, all this, blah, blah, blah. Bam, snap lockdown. All right, this is finally over now, this pandemic, surely. Oh, look, there's the Delta strain. I'm not sure if I was allowed to say that, but oh, well, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's, there's the D strain. So, yep. Okay, now that's fucking up every state at the moment. So, yeah, it's constantly going to keep happening. And we don't know the uncertainty that's going on in the world at the moment. It can be a little bit of a blessing because it's gotten a lot of people to get their ass into gear. And as, as you mentioned before, we're not actually doing that bad. Remember you mentioned that uh, yesterday, like uh, money-wise, and everyone's freaking out about that? Yeah. Australia's booming, man. I was yeah. talking with a guy, Neil, um, who's one of Sean's clients. I interviewed him the other day. And over in WA, it is popping off. Like it is, like things are booming. You look in, in, in Sydney and New South Wales, I mean, it would be funny if everything, it wouldn't be funny, but it'd be ironic if now everything crashed after I say this. But everything at the moment is still very, very healthy. Very mm. healthy. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? It's a but very interesting time. There's that, there's that mental shift that a lot of people, they don't realize that, once they make that one decision to either skip their meal prep and order DoorDash because it's convenient or skip their sleep cycle or skip their routine, anything like that, they don't realize, especially in these times, how much of a negative spiral effect it could have. But going into that first lockdown in March 2020, I knew straight away I had mates trying to get me to play Warzone on Call of Duty and I'm like, if I download that game, there's no chance... I'm getting off it during this pandemic. I've got all the time in the world to play it and I'm competitive as fuck. I'll get to the highest rank, whatever, but I knew. And my mate who, my mate will probably listen to this and he mentioned it to me the other day. He's like, I remember us having that conversation and he was just trying to get me to download it. And I'm like, nah, I need to find something productive-wise, work-wise, career-wise to do and I need to map that out. And here I am. So what impact has all the bullshit you've been through from being overweight as a kid through to having the gyno, through the, the helicobacter, like the whole lot, all, all that stuff, even like your re- recent split up with your, with your ex and the lockdowns, what impacts and how has that affected your, co- your coaching? It comes from a place of understanding of where the individual is actually at in their life. And, you know, you can sort of see all the deficiencies in say like it's either their sleep it's either their nutrition it's their hierarchy of health as we call it it's their stress 
we now look into the endocrine system. So we look at their bloods and there's everything going on out of whack. So looking at all that, you can really piece together what's going on, set an action plan for it, and then help coach and guide them through it. But the biggest thing that we've all found out through coaching, especially in like us men, is either nice guy syndrome or avoiding conflict. Two huge things I used to have massively. Now I'm just Let's like... talk about them, man. Let's go yeah. nice guy syndrome. <laughs> what is it? I remember I had a girl say to me one time, oh, you're such a nice guy. Well, actually, no, not even one time. Like I had that all my upbringing. They're like, oh, he's so lovely. Oh, he's such a nice, caring guy. Didn't fucking get me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get you roots, did it? Did no. not get me anywhere. And I wondered, you know, there's always that victim mentality of like, how's the dickhead always getting the girls or whatever like that. It's just, you know... It's like, okay, why is, the, why is the cocky, arrogant footy player who smashes beers every weekend getting, you know, all the girls? It's like, well, he's in shape and he's a bit confident about who he is, you know? And the girls like that. They see it as like something masculine. He's playing sport, whatever. And then there's the nice guy sort of thing who think like women will come to them if he's just nice and everyone's going to love me, stuff like that. We've seen time and time again with people and a lot of people, unfortunately, have realized this when it's too late, when they're in their late 30s or 40s or 50s and they're like, fuck, I've been too nice my whole life. It's affected everything. It affects not just relationships as well. It affects your performance at work. I mean, I used to do customer service. I did for four years. I was a customer service manager. I used to just be frustrated. I didn't move up in any aspect. I was like, other people are working half as hard as me and I'm getting less money. I'm like, what the fuck? But it's like, hey, did I speak up about it? No, I was complacent. I was too nice. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. We're the nice yeah. guy. The thing we've got to chat on is the avoidance of conflict. It's like when someone's oh, really yeah. nice, we don't want to upset other people. Nah. We don't want to disagree. Fuck, I was talking with someone just the other day about this, and I was like, you got to speak up. Like if you don't like the way that somebody's treating you, fucking say it, like yeah. that you don't like it. There's this misconception rather that if we disagree with somebody – and they get upset, somehow it's our fault. And yeah. then if we call someone out for doing something which doesn't align with us, we're the bad person, not the person who's been the fuckwit in the first place. I mean, if you look at this rise of the woke bullshit, I think the reason why all this woke crap is going on at the moment and why that's so prolific is because too many people are nice. And when crazies are being woke and saying all the stupid stuff that they're <laughs> saying, that we just accept it. And when we say, this is fine, it's okay for you to mistreat me, it be okay for you to treat me treat me in, in a way which isn't good. So, okay, so then with that dude uh, around the, the nice guy syndrome, for you, like, how did you start to overcome your own nice guy syndrome? Yeah, so get this right. So with the nice guy syndrome, I realised, and I guess on the spiritual journey, you realise it was an inner trauma that because of all the shit I went through as a kid, I didn't feel accepted or I didn't feel loved or I wanted people to like me because I had all that pain and rejection. So then I became a nice guy and a people pleaser because I wanted to fit in. I wanted people to like me. I cared about what other people thought of me. I watched my language around people, you know. I was in customer service. I had the customer service voice. I was just the nicest person, happiest person ever, standing there eight hours a day. Internally, I was fucking miserable but I was just dealing with shit after shit and just being the nicest person possible. And you really build thick skin over time. But I noticed anytime someone like swore or raised their voice, 
I would get this like shudder in my stomach and like this anxious feeling. I'm like, oh God, what's he doing? He's, he's flipping out. He's like, why is he yelling at me? <laughs> and what it was avoiding you though. Because, well, I was avoiding conflict for one. And what it would do was it's like that whole thing when you have an argument with someone and then it's over, but you spend the whole night thinking about what you should have said and it just eats you up. And that's, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling that no man should go through. It's like, I should have spoken up about this. And some people, they spend years on that. I should have spoken up at this time or I should have, you know, put my foot down at this time. Five years go past. Look at all the consequences that have happened. Huge. Cost of inaction. Yeah, totally. That's the biggest one, cost of inaction. Cost of inaction. I used to run that shit through my head all the time about things that I should have done, things that I should have said. I could have got him if I just said, (laughs) you know, stupid stuff that we think. It's so totally not helpful. Yeah. But I do this. It's it's a really cool realization to have that, like, when you've been a nice guy for so long and then you just go, like, fuck, I highly recommend everybody reads that book, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover. Mm. Like, that is just a fucking brilliant book for anyone who gets feels like they get shat on, they get mistreated, or they have that, I'm really smiling and happy on the inside, but not on the outside, but on the inside, I want to murder you, like all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. It's a fucking, it's an absolute game changer, man. Absolute game changer. Then I guess the next thing from that, there's a difference between being strong and being a wanker, right? Because there's this fine line, because we all want to be kind. Uh, oh, yeah. Be nice, there's a difference be nice. between being a nice guy and an actual good human being, 100%. Yeah. What would you define that as? Interesting. I'm still figuring it out, I reckon. But the whole nice guy, yeah, it's, it's a very hard one. I mean, a good human being is still caring, but he's caring when it's necessary. There are times when, and we, we've learned this through coaching and I've learned this from people pulling me up or anything like that. There's times when we get egotistical, we get, you know, in our own head or we just need someone, as you've said before, you need to be a cunt to be kind. And sometimes it's the best thing for someone. And it's been the best thing for me at times and it's been the best thing for some other people. And a lot of people, if they're too nice, they'll never get that. They'll never help out that mate that really needs the tough love or anything. They'll just, you know, let it go. And that in itself, I think, is a disservice because when you have the opportunity to help someone but you don't want to hurt their feelings, then, oh, fuck, it can just repercuss like 10 volts. Because they never learn. Negative, we all no. think that negative feedback is bad. I mean, I used to be a nice guy even when I had employees. And I remember there was one at the start, we won't name him, but who, like, I gave this dude chance on chance on chance on chance to be better. And I always, like, tried to keep making sure he's good. I never disciplined him. I was never, like, I, I was never angry or upset or anything like that. I just copped his bullshit over and over and over. And the dude went and just kept fucking up continuously, like time and time and time again, to the point where he's still no further ahead in his career now. Like, fuck, Jesus, what's three years ahead on that? Like, hasn't gone anywhere because I didn't tell him, like, dude, you're being a fuckwit. The way that you're acting right now is not okay. Either shape up or fuck off, one of the two. And some of the best things that we can say to people are really, really harsh. And that's why, like, I try to be unapologetically kind. But when I say kind, it's like, if you're being a fuckwit, you're sure as shit will know from me first. Like, I'm not yeah. going to hold back. You're not going to avoid it. Wanker. Yeah. I'm gonna, not going to avoid it. I'm going to go straight to you. I'm going to put it straight between your eyes and say, right now, you're being a grade A fuckwit for this, this, and this reason. But the yeah. thing I found is that I had a series of mentors who did that for me. 
And it was the best thing that ever happened. Like I had a heap of people pleasers in my life as well. It's where I learned it from. But when I had a few mentors, a few key people telling me like, James, you're being a bit of a wanker. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. That's the negative feedback is often far more beneficial. Not often, it's always far more beneficial than somebody blowing smoke up your ass. Yeah. Big time. But dude, this has been really cool. Thanks for coming on. It was awesome to have a have a good chat on this. And I think we're gonna have to do another one soon. We'll go a little bit deeper into this nice guy stuff. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Love your work, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks, bro. Pleasure, dude. All right, see ya. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.